Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. We have another faith journey conversation to share with you today. This time I sit down with Kevin Dragseth. Kevin works here in the office, and as you'll hear, he has a variety of little jobs that he does for the church. But what's fascinating and interesting is that Kevin, in years past, worked here at Bethany um, as the director of faith formation and working with high school youth ministry in various ways. Uh, you'll get to all of this within his story. I don't want to spoil it, but uh, Kevin is a great storyteller. If you've ever um, gotten to know him or talked with him, he probably told you a story at one point or another. And this podcast is no different. Uh, Kevin and I go on for quite a while, but there are just some amazing nuggets of wisdom to pick up. He has so many great insights uh, just about what it means to be a person of faith in the midst of the ups and downs of our life. So I'm going to turn it over now to this recorded conversation, and I really hope you enjoy it. Please feel free to share this with family and friends, anyone who might be looking for ways um, to just bolster their faith during this Lenten season. Uh, I'm going to turn it over now, but as always, thanks for listening and your support of the podcast, everyone. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I'm sitting down with Kevin Dragseth. Hi, Kevin. Good afternoon, Nate. Yeah, uh, thanks for coming on. Kevin, as a part of this whole Lenten uh, journey series, we're going to hear about Kevin's faith journey. He's been all over the place, had a lot going on, and um, in, in case you didn't know, Kevin is working here at Bethany as the volunteer coordinator and administrative assistant for faith formation. Is that true? Correct, yeah. That's a very long title. There's, yeah, and that's just to say some words to put a title to it, but there's <laughs> a little bit more to it than just those things as well. Absolutely. Um, well, why don't you just kind of start at the beginning? I know you're a Minnesota, Western Minnesota boy, but uh, yeah, start at the beginning. I'll interrupt you as interesting things come up. All right. Yeah, explaining your faith journey is uh, always interesting, and I hope that for most people it looks more like a roller coaster than a flat line or um, Gotta have some excitement. all up, you know, except for just little divots. I don't, I just can't see it happening like that. So uh, I grew up in western Minnesota. I was the second of four uh, kids. We went to church every single week. My parents were very involved at church. Dad was always on council. My mom is still on councils um, at our home congregation. And uh, we never had an option to miss anything. So we were at every single Sunday, every single Sunday school, every single Wednesday night. Um, Year-round, if there was a snowstorm, we were one of the eight people that would show up still. Um, so always involved with church. So I liked it. I didn't really know anything other than church life. Um, so with that though, right, you always had to go, never an option. And so yeah. you, it just felt like this is just what our family does. Yeah. Is that a good way to put it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, did you ever get to a point of kind of resenting that? Oh yeah. It was annoying a lot of the time. Like I'm a, I'm not a sit still, um, person. So sitting in church still doesn't quite do it for me all the time um even when i'm preaching even when many of you will see that i do not sit in a service for the whole time i'm in and out of service Uh all the time i have to quote unquote get a drink of water or go to the bathroom or whatever you want to say it is but i am not sitting through a whole service are you the same way in movie theaters too i don't go to movies i go if i go to movies with my kids it's to sleep Okay. So it's All an right. hour and a half nap. I don't ever take naps, but I do at movie theaters. That's the only time I ever take naps is in a movie theater. 
In, okay, so keep going with <laughs> keep going with your faith journey. You growing up in the church, always there, but um, yeah, yeah. So it was good though. I liked it. In fifth grade, I remember um, we were doing a project on what you want to be when you grow up. I said pastor, and everybody in the class just stared at me. So I uh, kind of learned early on that um, that's not normal, and even in a small uh, Christian town, rural town where everybody's a Christian. Or labels himself as a Christian, the idea of church leadership is and was kind of an out there idea, even though everybody relates to it. Why do you think you said that though? I loved our pastor at the time. Uh huh. Um, I loved the conversations with him. I admired him. I went to uh, Bible camp for the first time around that time in my life, and I loved it. I was probably the only fourth or fifth grader crying at the end of the week because I wanted to stay because I loved everything about it. Um, wow. So, yeah, yeah. I just I loved it. I loved the church um, atmosphere at that time. Um, and then uh, middle school, I didn't mind being involved, and um, still felt um, still felt good with my relationship with God. Um, started pushing my limits a little bit. Um, started, you know, uh, tinkering around with different rebellious activities in life. And uh, I just attributed it to that this is what we do in a small town. Okay. And um, and that carried forward into high school? Oh, yeah. And it's still a part of me. Like, that small town culture is still a part of me. Yeah. Like, when I go home, you go downtown to the Moose. I'm a member, Lodge 432. And um, <laughs> you have to... <laughs> Um, you know, that's your community. So you got to stop in, say hi, uh-huh. have a drink, and then be on your way again. Oh, that's cool. All right. So that's kind of what it always was and always is to me is, is, uh, you got like a secret handshake or a ring that community. I'm supposed to kiss well, you right do have, now? If, if you get married or you're there for any special occasion, you have to kiss the, um, mounted moose that's up on the wall. Excellent. They have a step stool and everything for it. It's wonderful. Um, anyways, so, uh, through middle school, I remember my faith being, you know, not really uh, too shook at all, I guess you could say. Okay. Kind of just going. Things felt um, good. Got into high school, um, started exploring that rebellion a little bit more and a little bit more intensely, and uh, um, got into some um, relationship situations i guess you could say that uh really got me down mostly on myself Hmm. more than anything else but it was because of my faith so i felt it was kind of that uh it was just guilt i was beating myself up over doing all these things that i was always told you weren't supposed to do until you were Uh. 18 or until you were 21 and uh um so just kind of started beating myself up after ninth grade, I went to an Assemblies of God Bible camp in central Minnesota, and I absolutely loved it. It's super intense camp, um, altar calls, and people speaking in tongues, and people um, passing out from the rush of the Holy Spirit, yeah. and um, people being cured of illnesses, and all these things that were typically kind of maybe heard of them a little bit, but I was watching them literally happen in front of me. And I had this uh, um, uh, this guest speaker. He was out of Florida. That's the only thing I remember about him. And I was, you know, this little Lutheran boy trying to stay hidden in this crowd. 
And he walked down off the stage. They were doing altar calls and stuff. And he put a flashlight on me and he goes, you, you need the Lord. Whoa. There's 2,500 kids that went to this camp a week. And he came down with a flashlight and said the Holy Spirit was bringing him to me because I needed the Lord. And, and I felt that. So I did an altar call. It was amazing. I loved it. I just felt totally refreshed. And the message that day was that you're still loved. God gives you new life. Uh, God loves you. And, and so this was all in this like guilty phase yeah, too, right? Yeah, so it was yeah. kind of exactly what you needed to hear. Oh, it was great. It's so liberating. Huh. I loved it. Yeah. And it kind of led me to a place where, and I'm still there, where it's like once in a while I need that intense blast that I don't feel I've ever gotten um, anywhere in the Lutheran tradition outside of Bible camp as a staff person. Yeah. So, because we're know, definitely more buttoned up than well than assemblies of God. Assemblies of God don't play, right? Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So I still go through my moments where you know we'll worship as a family at a different place, or we'll seek different type of retreats or mm-hmm. ministries to be involved with for periods of time when I feel like I need a little bit more of an intense jab of faith. Interesting. So um, that was high school. That really carried me through into college. Um, I was on a Pretty good um, um, faith high through a lot of high school. Had moments, but overall, like, went to two churches a week. So on Sunday mornings, I'd go to my home church and do all that stuff, worship with the family, and then I would go over to the Assemblies of God Church in oh, town yeah. for, the, for the late service. What did your family think of that? Oh, they were just kind of like, whatever. Huh. I don't remember them ever... You know, I learned pretty early on, I like, you know, you kind of want people to experience that same high as you, and yeah. not everybody was as interested in that as I was. Sure. But uh, I don't remember any, any, um, any, anything said or anybody seeming to be bothered by it at all. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, then when I got in college, or right after college, or right after high school, I mean, I started working at a Bible camp. Best uh, experience of my life um, uh, as a counselor. Loved that life changing. Kind of set out on a path then that this is kind of the this is kind of the direction I want to be going. Was it an Assemblies of God Bible Camp or a Lutheran Bible? It camp? was not. It was uh, Shores of Saint Andrew Bible Camp in uh, Central Minnesota, part of Green Lake Lutheran Ministries organization. And how did that? I mean, did that? Well, you even kind of hinted at it that you feel like the only place within the Lutheran Church that you get that more intense feeling mm-hmm. is at camp. Yeah, and that was kind of how you experienced that as well. Yep. Yep. St. Andrews Shores. Of, what was it? St. Andrews Shores. Yeah, Shores of St. Andrews. Shores yeah. of St. Andrews. Yep. Um, and so, just with that too, though, what do you? I mean, what in particular? I, I'd just be curious for you to kind of name what you think it is that camp does well to that end. Well, first of all, I think it's because camps are relational. Yeah. They're relationally based. Um, but more than that, I think it's just the getting away. One hour at a time is not enough to even come down a little bit off of your life. Yeah. And, um, when you get away to a camp or a retreat or even camping, it's, you know, this, this, this faith high for a lot of people is just getting out and it's going to a special place where they can get away and not just, um, do a quick thing and be done with it. It's, you got to unwind for a couple days. When you get on vacation, the first few days are not, do not feel like vacation. You're still coming down. Yeah. And days three and four, you start feeling a little bit. And then days 
five through whatever, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so relaxed now. That's what I think camp is like, um, or yeah. any kind of a retreat. You can't get that in an hour. No. Nor can you build the relationships that you typically build at camp in an hour. In an hour. Because everybody knows you don't go to a camp for the facilities for the most part. You don't. <laughs> you don't. You don't go to a typical camp for the drive. Uh-huh. None of those things are pleasant. Um, if you were to go, if you rented your typical Bible camp as a VRBO, you would leave one-star review for the facilities <laughs> <laughs> after you were done staying there. So you're there for the people. You're there for uh-huh. relationship. You're there for connection. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, hilarious. That's my okay. thoughts on uh, camp. Uh, college was um, tough. I went between uh, relationships, uh, single, dating, had some good relationships, um, just none of them were uh, working out, started to get frustrated by that. Went in and out of um, um, passing slash flunking college. So I'd be, on, um, I'd be on academic probation and then I would go back in. And finally one year my parents were like, why don't you try not working? Because you like to work and you work a lot. And let's see what school without um, work looks like. So... Uh, they helped me get through a year where I didn't work in a course that my grades were perfect that whole time. Um, so then from there, I, uh, that was a community college. I transferred up to uh, Moorhead State in Moorhead, Minnesota. Finished my junior year up there, and I was super low that spring. And the one night, I just had, a, um, I had a, an all-out yelling fit at God. And I was saying some of the meanest things I've ever said to anything. Why, why, why were you so low? Because it was like I was single. Uh-huh. I was working at Domino's uh-huh. while I was going to college. I was um, living in a dumpy old basement apartment. I just I just felt like nothing was going well. And, and in the middle of that fight, I'm like, seriously, you think the... Oh, and I was drinking a lot and I was smoking a lot of cigarettes. I was up around like three packs a day. Two and a half to three packs a day of cigarettes. Whoa. And was drinking a lot, seven days a week. Um, complete complete functional, still worked every single day, still worked 50 hours a week, but I went out every single night. And you um, can kind of tell that it just, like your your life just wasn't where you wanted it to yeah, be, Yeah, it was just that feeling, you're like, okay, this is not jiving right now. So I was in the middle of this, this, this time with God, it was like two in the morning one night I got home, and I'm like, okay, this is it. Is this really your will for me? Okay, let's see. Okay, you think it's cool? Let's let's see if you can get me up to 25 drinks a day, God. Since you can get me to 15 to 20 a day, let's try to get me to 30, huh? You're so powerful. Let's see this. Oh, two and, a, two and a half packs a day? Let's see you get me to four. Oh, you can do such miraculous things. Let's see you get me, see how many cigarettes you can get me up to a day. Oh, let's, oh, you want me to be single the rest of my life? Oh, let's see her. Maybe I can... Maybe we can substitute humans and you can get me a pet even though I don't like pets. Oh, yeah, God, you're so powerful. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, I'm just like mocking God this whole thing. And like a job, I'm like, oh, let's see. Maybe maybe I could become the manager of a Domino's and I could take a pay cut from driving. Oh, yeah, wouldn't that be your will, God? So just like mocking God this whole, this night is a couple hours long. And I'm like yelling it in my little apartment. So, I mean, like, as you look back on that now, what I'm, what's interesting to me is you talked about how important, um, like the the deeply emotional experiences are, mm-hmm. like that. That's what was attractive about the assemblies of God. Mm-hmm. Do you think, in some weird way, that that's part of what this was too? Like, even though it's mocking, even though it's not, like it's still intense. Yo, yeah, and it was me 
you know, I finally, what I realized about that time is that we always say, talk to, you know, talk to God like they're your friend. Yeah. Right. And what I was realizing in life around that time is if a friend made me mad, I wasn't going up to my friend and being like, hey, Nate, thanks for a good day today. I hope that tomorrow can be better between us. I'm going up and going, come on, what is that? Uh What was that? Uh That's ridiculous. Is that seriously the way you want to be friends? Is this seriously the way you want our relationship to look? Right? So for me, it was a matter of, well, fine, I'm going to talk to God like, like they're really a friend. Let's go. You want to talk like a friend? Wow. Here's how I'd talk to a friend if I wasn't happy about the way our relationship was working out. So that's what I did. I just laid it all out there. So fast forward only a couple weeks, and I'd given up camp at that point. I was 23. I was a junior. Should have had like five degrees by this point in my life. Was not a doctor. And um, <laughs> I, uh, I get a phone call from a dear friend of mine, and... He was the director of, of uh, the camp that I'd worked at in the summers. And he said, hey, we need you this summer. One of the full-time staff quit. you got to come out here and be one of the directors. I said, ain't happening. I am. Uh, i got to finish school. I just want to get through. I had a good junior year. I want to get through it, get into senior year. I'm going to school all summer. He's like, no, you gotta, you have to run the camp. There's just, this is, I'm not really asking you. I'm kind of telling you. And he said, what would it take? So I took my salary from the year before, and I was already a um, seasonal director the year before, and so I took my salary from the year before, and I just tripled it, and I just told him that, and he goes, sounds good, so can you be here? And he didn't even think about it. He didn't even give me a chance to. He said, okay, whatever, that's fine. So when can you start? And I was like, no, dude, you know I was just messing with you. I'm not actually going to. You already agreed. He goes, as far as I'm concerned, you already agreed. I agreed to your terms. And that's the way it's going to be. So anyways, went through that summer. Is, is that the first time in your life you actually encountered someone as aggressive as you are? <laughs> um, him and I have made a lot of good deals together. Yeah, I bet. Still that's to all. this day. <laughs> um, so, so that was kind of the beginning of the unfolding of that conversation with God that night. And that summer I met Katie. At the, as soon as I got there that summer, the first day, that was her first... Um, she was working there too. Yeah, it was first her first day ever at that camp. So I met Katie and I knew the minute I saw her that I liked this is gonna I be liked a thing. her. This is gonna be this is gonna be a thing. Wow. And um that summer I remember it was like a week or two later, um I was golfing in my hometown and my my uh, sister and my mom drove up and I was putting on a green. They were out they had my car because they were out at garage sales or something. And they pulled up, and they're like, hey, Kevin. It was like 7.30 in the morning. And I went over, and I reached in through the car to grab a, I forgot my cigarettes in the car. So I reached in to grab them, and they were excited to see me, and I was more excited about grabbing my cigarettes. Mm -hmm. And the look on their faces just struck me that day. And I Mm -hmm. grabbed a cigarette, I had it, and I flicked it after that green, and I never touched another one. No way. Yeah, and I never even thought about it. It was a couple weeks later. So by then now I had Katie, mm-hmm. and I loved the job that summer. It was going really well. I was feeling confident as an adult. And um, it was like three weeks later, somebody that I knew that knew that I had smoked was like, hey, can I bum a cigarette? And I'm like, I, 
that's when I first realized that I'd actually quit three weeks before. Wow. Because my mind was so consumed with Katie and with all everything else. Everything else was going so well all of a sudden. So then throughout that summer, um, this position went was opening up for full time. Director said, just apply. All you gotta do is apply. I said, I I don't even have a resume. I'm not even out of college, blah blah. All you gotta do is apply. It's not a big deal. You apply, we we say no, and then you go to college, blah blah. Well, of course I get hired. And so I take the position and um, love it. I loved my three years there. I was a program director. Um, year-round program director. Year-round, yeah. Yeah. All the time. We had three camps. I hired for, um, helped hire for all three, but specifically hired for one and then assisted hiring for another one as well. Um, we had about 100 staff at the time between the three camps. We had three of us program directors. Whoa. So we had a pretty intense uh recruiting season yeah so we'd be out on the road um all january february march um but what worked really well is i always took the iowa region because that's where katie went to school so i was able to do a lot of recruiting based out of decorah iowa where she was going to school at luther but awesome awesome um we had a lot of faith connection a lot of faith conversations we'd go to the college um campus um worship services uh together um, so faith at that time, I mean, right up there with the topic could be, and, and thinking um, about life. it too, the, the big fight with God, how long after that did all this start to, Oh, so the big fight with God was in like April and then I met Katie at the end of May. Oh my so gosh. So like I got, it was all, you know. Wow. And then from there, um, um, Katie and I pretty much knew we were going to be long-term almost immediately. Um, and then we got married in 06, moved out to Colorado. Um, was a little bit frustrated that year. I was working at Domino's, could not get jobs. Um, found out that this synod was fairly tough to get into at the time. Wanted to be ELCA. Um, Wanted to do youth ministry stuff? Yep, youth okay. ministry stuff. I had been, um, we'd been worshiping at Bethany because this was Katie's home um, congregation. Uh-huh. We're singing in the choir here. And then I got a random phone call one day from uh, Aaron, and she's like, hey, I was told I need to talk to you. We have a job opening. I was like, cool. So we met over here at Starbucks and talked and uh, decided it would be a good fit. So we tried it on an interim basis and uh, worked out great. Um, so then, again, Faith started taking some ticks upwards. It was awesome. Um, um, and really... I don't know if it plateaued or rose, but it was good. It was really, good. really good for a lot of years. Um, then 2012, I started... Um, no, actually, then we had Addison in 2010. Very, very cool. I don't know if that like peaked out my faith more than it just was a cool thing. Yeah, um, changed a lot. Yeah, changed a lot of things. I don't really remember a whole lot about that um, uh, that period. I know that they're sleeping, right? Yeah, right. Oh my gosh. Exactly, and and just ways, yeah. And work. Uh huh. So um, then Addison was about nine months old. We had a um, there was an accident at her daycare, and it turned into something that I never thought I would experience in my life, and was a really big. Um, it was really difficult for me because it seemed to be a, a mix between what I thought justice looked like as a Christian versus what I kind of hoped justice would look like as a parent. Whoa. So 
um, two broken legs. It was proven back to happen in the home. And all of a sudden, immigration lawyers were involved. And there was um, some fear of retaliation. So our family had to stay at other places for a while. And I had to have a special... Um, work instructions. I had to be in a, like a hidden office here at the church and um, the the people in the office had special instructions for what to ask anybody who called here and I had to be walked back out to my car and because there was a bunch of people that were being threatened with deportation because of this accident and it had nothing to do with their status mm -hmm. or with their immigration status. It was, I truly believe it was an accident mm -hmm. but as soon as law enforcement got involved, then it got turned into this whole um, other thing. And Whoa. I wanted what was right. I wanted justice for Addison. Yeah. But we were not seeking anything. You know, we said right away we're not going to press charges. Yeah. Um, and But it turned into this huge thing. So that was really, really difficult on our... So where do you come faith? down on that now, too, of just, like, understanding your sense of justice versus... God's sense of it's justice. It's difficult because it is, there is, everybody on the surface level knows what right and wrong is. Uh-huh. Right? But I've also never been in a position where I've been so scared of going to a place that is so horrible that I'd be willing to put my, literally my life and my livelihood on the line to not have to go to that place. Well. So the fear of deportation I mean if you're willing to go through all of that and to to not have to go there how bad is it yeah back there no kidding so you know that's then that's what I mean that's right it's between the law and like what I believe as a yeah. Christian I mean I have I have I have the heart and the forgiveness to understand why it happened I just own it Mm -hmm. Just own it and say like, "Hey, sorry about that." You know, this could it would have never, ever, ever even went to the police if when we first called and said something was wrong when we picked her up today, but it they they yeah. took it in a weird direction and it made us all of my family had to get interviewed and we couldn't stay at home alone with her for about three weeks. My family had to come out and help um, care for her in the home and we couldn't drive anywhere with her without somebody else in the car until this investigation was over and um and then it was like once it was over and everything was cleared for us wow. then it was just you know we were just expected to go on with life like it was normal and that's not the not what you were what, stepping no. into there was a lot of physical um damage to our bodies <laughs> sure and to our souls polygraph test alone will give you a heart attack oh my gosh and mess with your body in ways that Holy cow. We shouldn't have to do that to people. But anyways, very low point in my faith. Um, and then work stress. There was uh, there was just dynamics at work that I wasn't comfortable with at that time. So this is like in the early 2010s. Mm -hmm. um, tried to um, put my head down, but I'm too justice oriented and I wanted to speak my mind and um, try to try to straighten kind of things that I wasn't comfortable with happening. Did you talk to people at work like you talked to God that one night? <laughs> um, sometimes I would, yeah. <laughs> okay. I had a few trusted people that I did talk sure. to like that and just said, like, listen, do you realize, like, what's happening around here? Yeah. 
Like, how can you be on council and just be fine with these things being said and with these actions being done? Wow. Um, but, you know, it's it's kind of a, um, uh, you know, somebody on a council at a church doesn't want to get involved with that kind of stuff. Mm. So they just kind of eat it, take it as hearsay, and just tuck it away. Because, you know, I just uh, wanted to get involved so I could put it on a resume. I don't know why everybody gets on sure, a church sure. council, but... Um, obviously telling those people was just probably pointless in, in looking back at it, but I felt at the time that I was doing the right thing and standing up for other people and standing up for colleagues and standing up for the culture. And, um, it just kind of ended up backfiring on me. And in the midst of that, I grew more frustrated. I started to, um, deal with some of the stresses at work in less ideal ways than I wish I would have. Okay. So I got more mouthy. I got more, um, a little bit more aggressive in how I dealt with some yeah, of yeah. the things happening at work. Yeah. So, so come off of that accident and it goes into that work kind of stress. Um, and then I got done or I resigned at Bethany one night after a meeting. And the next morning I got a phone call that dad, um, was out of it and he needed to go to Mayo immediately and they found a huge brain tumor so it was like oh my gosh i just resigned and i still i'd given them like i'd given bethany like a five or six or something week resignation time but i was like okay so i got on a plane that morning and met him down at the mayo clinic and um it wasn't good he was in the hospital for like four months straight um didn't really come to for about a little over a month um but eventually he kind of came through that. And at the same time he was coming through it, actually the same day that he got cleared to leave after his, uh, um, he had a bone marrow, blood and stem cell transplant. Um, I got offered a job up in Fort Collins to run a four um, congregation community youth group. And was that out of nowhere too? Uh, fairly. Yeah. I just got a phone call, said, Hey, we, we want you to apply. Yeah, we got something going on. We kind of want you to consider. We kind of no feel way. like you'd be the right person for this. Um, so, I and then it was like faith just started ticking again. And huh. it was moving. I was excited. Loved being involved with the church. Um, was doing a lot of stuff, like on the synod level and on the national level within the church. Um, and loved all those leadership opportunities that those places gave me. Um then I got laid off from that just suddenly, just blindsided, done very um, poorly. Poorly, we'll use that word for okay. today. Um, not much thought went into how I was going to be let go. So they just like sat me down and threw it out and had no plan for succession. what severance looks like, what succession, what resignation time period looked like, what. They didn't think about possibly writing a letter to the congregations. You know, they were just going to like kind of like sneak it out in the middle of the night. And so was really, you know, hurt by that, insulted by that. And just, again, it was not professional. And I view myself as a professional. It just didn't sit right. Mm -hmm. Super, super down by that. Again, though, thank goodness, dad starts, his health starts failing that, uh, that, uh, Fall, so we're up to 18 now. Dad ends up passing away in December. So wait, you say thank goodness because, meaning you lost your job just as your dad really took yeah. a turn. 
So then I was again able, able to, be, to just go there and be there. Be there a lot of the Interesting. time. Interesting. I started a job in the corporate world as a purchaser. Loved it. Loved, loved, loved that job. But it was also very flexible. I could work anywhere uh-huh. all the time. So that's what I did. I'd just bring my computer with up to Minnesota, sit in his nursing home room with him. I'd be working. He'd be laying there just doodling on a piece of paper or whatever. Wow. And uh, he ends up passing away in 2018. It's kind of a blessing. So I wouldn't say it wasn't great in my faith, but it wasn't like one of those deep, deep cuts. Saw it coming, was relieved when he finally did pass away. But you and he were pretty close. Oh, super close. Best friend. We talked on the phone all the time. We went and bought all of the family's cars together. We did all the big purchases together. We were always out on the lake together growing up. Um, Yeah, great guy, great friend. Um, Hmm. but was was his time. So that part I was at comfort with. Yeah. Um, and we were all able to be there. That afternoon I'd organized a family um, Christmas sending celebration for him. And, uh, yeah, he passed away about 12 hours after we finished it. No way. And that morning they had said, he's probably got, a, he's probably got two or three weeks left. I was like, ah, oh, we're going to send him today. <laughs> so and I was like, did. we're ready. Yep, and we did. Wow. Um, the next year then is Katie started not feeling good in the summer and uh, just was having some tingling in her legs and stuff. And then all of a sudden my faith started dogging hard. Um, all the pressure of the three kids. We had three, um, they were six, uh, no, they were nine, six and two at the time. And now I'm like single parenting. She was in and out of the hospital getting tests. They're trying to figure out what is this neuropathy in her legs from. I finally get my first break. It was the first weekend in November. And I just went down to uh, California to San Francisco to help my mom celebrate her 70th. We took her there and got a phone call on um, that Sunday morning, November 9th, that um, Katie had passed out. The ambulance was taken to the hospital. So I went up to the airport, got on the next flight, and she passed away while I was on the flight. So coming off of the last few years, the the job losses, the you know going through dad being sick, stress yeah. stress of work, stress of having three young kids, um, Katie passing away was just that was kind of the nail in the coffin for me as far as um, I can't even imagine. faith goes. Yeah, I was like, I am done. Well, and especially like getting the, the the way you described your job loss too. We kind of I, I didn't get to pop in at that moment, but I'm sure that felt like a betrayal from the church, right? Like just like what the heck? Like I've been doing this work for you. Oh yeah, right. And that always has weird impacts on our yeah. faith. And yeah. then that gets followed up with the loss of your dad, which you said wasn't like shocking, but I'm still sure yeah. it was painful. Yeah. And then this, you know, like everything just then turned. The hammer with, fell on with Katie. Yeah. And I'm just like, screw you. We are done. Yeah. And I didn't go to church for, well, to be honest, I didn't go to church again until I started back here because of the pandemic. Sure. So shortly yeah, after true. Katie dies, she dies in early no- November, November 2019. 2019. Yeah. Pandemic starts. I get laid off the first day. Like the business I was at was um, putting a high-end uh, technology and solar in homes up in Vail and Aspen. Soon as the stocks crashed that week, everybody called in and said, "Stop the work," because they didn't know if they were going to be able to pay for them. 
So the next day, everybody, we most of us got laid off. March 2020. Yeah. Wow. Like March 13th or whatever that day was. And um, then I'm like, okay, this could be a blessing. And, um, but it was tough. You know, the flatten the curve thing was a little bit more than two weeks. I don't know if you remember that or not. <laughs> but it turned into a little bit more time than I was expecting. The nannies that um, I had brought in to work with us were now not comfortable working with us. So I had all three kids. We were at home. I was trying to do all of this, um, all of this at home schooling stuff, and grieving, tremendously yeah. grieving, and, and trying your to kids help the were kids grieving. grieving. Too. Yes, yeah. And all of our therapies, you know, the the online platforms weren't quite in place for everybody, so therapy was on hold, and no personal contact with anybody. So it's terrible. I mean, and this is not just a me story. I get that this was the case for. For most people, but very, you very you were carrying time. into that some additional stressors. Yeah, it was. I, I could have probably went into that with some better circumstances. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, and then and then from there it was just like during that pandemic it was like Katie's grandma who was a dear 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 lady to me, Mama. She passed away that fall in the um you know coming into 2021. Then her step grandma passed away, and then her aunt died of cancer within a few months. So it was like really within a span of about a year, close, close friends. Joni passed away from here. That was a hard, hard, hard hit for me. Um, and it, and it just continued to affirm that like, this is a bunch of crap and you want to be all powerful? Well, you sure as heck are showing your power. Nice work. What a great way to show that you have power. Wow. You know, if that's the phrase you want to use and you love being told that you're all powerful, nice work. Here you go. You got it. You sure are. Huh. And uh, then, um, um, in the middle of the pandemic, I'm at a neighbor's house. There's this cute little girl there. And her name is Stephanie. <laughs> and uh, we started dating. Wonderful, wonderful lift to the spirit. Um, Christian girl comes from a totally different background. Um, can't believe that we would go to a church that sits and stands so much <laughs> and has music still being played on an organ out of the early 1900s. And if not older, <laughs> if not older, yeah, exactly. And um, so, so we had to kind of figure out a little bit what's that going to look like. Yeah, so yeah. we're still in pandemic so we were started watching a little bit of each other's church services and uh um i st i started liking her services uh-huh um she was she went to a um e-free church up in um north denver and then uh a little while after then we started we found a church close to our home a little community church so what was that like though you know meeting meeting stephanie and realizing that there is, like, she's a person of faith. Yeah. I mean, at that point, though, wouldn't you have said that you used to be a person of faith? Would that be fair? No, I kind of just kind of mocked my situation when it came to faith. Okay. I didn't really, I didn't. It never moved into, like, full-out rejection or doubt. It was just. Oh, anger. yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, totally. Interesting. I'd be like, you know, she wanted to listen to Christian music. I'd be like, yeah, I know these songs. Yeah. I can listen to them as a song. Uh-huh. I'm not going to sit there and you know, think about each word and then emphasize how that has impacted my life today and my relationship with 
Jesus, but I mean, you know, I could. So what do you think, I mean, how, how, can you label any turning point with, like, the outright rejection and anger? Or is it just kind of like a subtle move to being at least willing to sit, you know, watch church services? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I don't feel like that would have been a given. No, because there's this underlying, you know, you want to have faith, you know, that on the surface, yeah, I get it. It's not God. It's God's people that suck. All this stuff. You know, everybody gives you their advice on sure, sure. your faith and what you should be doing and how the kids need to be in the church and the kids need to, and, you know, I've never really been of that mind anyways because I don't um, view, like, church or believing in 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 happening within only within brick walls. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I think, again, it comes back to relationship. Brian had reached out several times here after Katie died and just wanted to get lunch and just wanted to get supper and kind of talked about some of the pieces that were difficult for him and his call here. And at a few times he was like, we're having some staffing stuff. We've got people that are sick. We've got people that are temporary, that their time's coming up. Different scenarios. And it was just like, oh, I just really hope we can find somebody that's just administratively strong It'd be nice to get somebody that was connected, blah, blah, blah. I was like, so one point we were at um, uh, In-N-Out over in Aurora last summer, and I was just like, oh, if you need some help, let me know. And it was kind of a casual uh-huh. conversation. But I, there was a part of me that the way he was explaining what Bethany was like now, I kind of was intrigued by it. Oh, interesting. So I, I liked the idea. He talked about the camaraderie, and he talked about the new culture here and what it felt like compared to what he'd heard um, stepping in, it yeah, had yeah. it had been like for a little while, and it was super refreshing and freeing, and it made me excited um, excited about this place, a place that I love so much, a place where I was married, a place where we had Katie's uh, funeral, yeah. a place where Katie is buried, a place where my name is on a stone out in the courtyard to be buried here someday, a place that has a lot of, um, you know, I want my I would love to see my kids get married here and my in-laws have plans on getting married here and I um, and I wanted it to continue to be a special place. Probably Bethany's the only place that I would have even entertained Interesting. working at again. Just because of the connection here, my connection to people here was stronger than I'd ever had anywhere else. Uh, the members are phenomenal, they're generous and um, they need a place to worship in all of their blessedness as well. Yeah. And I've always loved that about this place. So the next week, Gary called and just said, hey, heard you said you might be willing to help. What could that <laughs> look like? You want to have a conversation? And it was a matter of a couple of weeks. And here we are. I kind of just gently walked onto the scene in early September. And it's been a blessing. It's just phenomenal. Yeah, it's been really incredible to have you here for so, so, so many reasons. Um yeah, I'm really grateful that all worked out. But uh, just as you think about it, too, um, w- where where do you, like, put your faith in terms of this whole continuum at the moment? Yeah. Like, you're still... Grieving never ends. Right. Exactly. Know? And you're still... You know, you've had a lot of really great things happen with you. You and Stephanie got married. Yep. Back married in last September. September. Okay. Yep. Yeah, shortly after starting here. That's right. Yep. Yeah. You so worked like for good. a week and then went on a honeymoon. <laughs> I have a business in Minnesota that's going really well, a property business. Um, rentals are going great. Have great renters, great tenants. 
Um, have a few houses that are just finishing up, ready to be sold that I flipped. Um, got a few more houses getting ready to buy. So that's fun. Life, personal life, is really really good. I live a dual life though now, which is really strange. Okay. So you know, I'm married to two people. Yeah. So I have Katie still as my wife. Stephanie is still my wife, and it's been tough to interweave those two lives. Yeah. And they're never going to be fully interwoven, but they are interwoven. They yeah. have to be. And um, so that's probably been the most difficult part relationship-wise for me is still having this dual relationship thing going on. And sometimes it feels right, like... because how many in-laws do you have now? One, two, three, four, five. I have six. Six in-laws, yeah. Yeah. And that's just phenomenal. Are, Love all of them. That's great. Great relationship with all of them. Still hanging with all of them. Um, but that alone, I mean, it is complicated enough, personally speaking, having two in-laws... Right, like it just that helps quantify it for me. When you told me that, and I like put that in perspective, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of wild, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'd say right now, I guess coming back into wanting again to have faith, and then realizing what it all looks like, it looks a lot different than it ever looked before. Sure, it's not the same old. I believe everything in the Bible because the Bible told me so. Mm -hmm. um, that is not um, that is not my current. Um, state of mind. I have a lot more um, liberty with myself and how I view scripture, how I view faith, how I view um, God, how I view Jesus, how I view the Holy Spirit, all, all of those. And there's a lot of days I just, I just don't believe it. Yeah. And I tell myself I'm here for the people. I'm not here because there was a story in the Bible that said this. I'm here because of the people. And at the same time, I have days where I'm like, I'm so glad for this scripture. I needed to hear that scripture today. I need to hear about Jesus' love. I hear, need to hear about the culture that Jesus set around the people he yeah. was with. And um, the Spirit has really not been a hard one for me to believe in. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Especially with, yeah. especially with Katie passing and my dad passing. Every single time they come to me in a dream or come to, or I hear them, in the middle of a situation going on, I can randomly, they'll be, I'll hear their laughter, I'll hear their voice say something. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that right there is all the proof I need that the spirit lives. I remember you even saying that um, right around the, the, the two year anniversary yeah. of yep. Katie's death. Like her spirit has been really strong. Yeah, it's super strong. In yeah. your life and in, with your kids too. That's just interesting. Yeah, yeah. To see the ways that, well, and, I mean, the piece that I keep pointing out too, what's really fascinating about your story is all the times like dovetailing off this this Holy Spirit idea and like yeah like breaking in that's kind of the way it happens too like in a dream mm -hmm. you get this message of comfort or yeah. whatever it is but this pointing out for you too right like you were just kind of doing your thing at college and you get this call and this job offer mm -hmm. out of nowhere and then um, even when you're here in Denver you moved out here trying to figure out. Um, what you're going to do, working at Domino's, and you get this call from Aaron mm -hmm. about the job here. And then again, you like mention offhand when you're talking with Brian, uh, you know, hey, like I could help you out. Job offer comes up back at the church. And so it's just fascinating. Uh, you know, it's a good thing for all of us to remember that there are like, even when things are really difficult, there can be moments when God breaks in when we least expect it. And that just that can give us a lot of hope too to recognize like it won't always be logical. It won't always make sense. Yeah. And sometimes it just happens. 
Um, we, and, and that's the other like frustrating thing is you can't bank on it. You can't expect that to happen because the whole nature of God breaking in is always unexpected, undeserved. Like we, we don't know when. There's no way you can program it. Have you thought at all about like as I point no, that out? Of course not. This is only something a a, a, a trained <laughs> podcast host would be able to pull out of you. So no, I've never thought about the idea of my whole life is call based or that's so I mean that's really fascinating. So thank you for giving me something to keep me up the next few nights. But um I I agree with that and I also think that um there's also gotta be a willingness on our part to give it up to God and to say, listen, Here's where I'm at with you. Yeah. And what you're doing is awesome. I want more. What you're doing is not sitting right with me. And yeah. and uh, I'm going to need something different. What's happening with my finances is not cool right now. You know what? Obviously, this is what I always told all the youth whenever I worked with them over the years. When it comes to finances, you got to literally, sometimes, if you're scared financially, you literally got to, Take out your checkbook or your wallet. You got to hold it up and say, "I suck at dealing with this, so you need to deal with it." Mm-hmm. And you need to surrender your power over your finances, or surrender your power yeah. over your stress or anything, and say, "God, okay, I suck at this. I suck. You got to do it now. I love Prove that. it to me. Show it to me. You got it. I'm giving you all the power. You want the power, and you want me to say you have all the power. Here it is. Take it. Do it." Yeah, and I, I really do think God responds to that, too. I do, too. And like, that's the authenticity piece. Right. And, and you know, and obviously I, I value authenticity more than most things in life. But to me, it goes back to that talk to God like they're your friend. And mm-hmm. there's no way, like the way we pray in church is not how anybody would ever talk to a friend. <laughs> would, would you like to close us in, in prayer like we do on Sunday morning? I, I would I, love to. <laughs> I'm not going to make you do that. <laughs> God, it is snowing out. How ridiculous. Have you not figured out that we don't even like the snow here? <laughs> Except that the good news is it brings us moisture. We all know that's a load. You could just give us moisture. Amen. <laughs> I don't know what you were looking for there. <laughs> that's perfect, Kevin. Oh, you're crushing it. Uh, thanks for sharing all this. Oh, um, thanks for hearing it. It felt kind of good to reminisce on some of those things, too. So it's a, it's an honor to be uh, no, you just to have, share. You just have such an honest way of looking at life, and it's so refreshing. I said, I said to you the other day, I'm just like, church work does not attract people with your personality. No, and I usually. love that. Yeah, I, I love, love that. that too. You are so helpful to have around here. Um, I hope you all enjoyed it. Listening in, um, feel free to yeah, grab Kevin, ask him any more questions you want about any of this stuff. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Stay in peace.